Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune with three things that you should not underestimate in 2019. Number one on this list, the effect of a shaky and negative stock market on the holiday shopping season. Now I get, you know, the, the holiday shopping season, it's happened in 2018. But of course, a lot of the hard data, when, when it's all compiled, of course, we won't get until you know January or potentially even February, a lot of this retail data. But, you know, the, the end of November and most of December is probably the most important time of the year in terms of consumption, consumer consumption here in the United States. And yet, you know, right now it's kind of coinciding with a lot of volatility and turmoil in the stock market. Now, I know what you might be asking, some of you guys in lease, and what does the stock market have to do with uh, shopping? What does it have to do with people buying gifts? And, you know, there, there's been a bit of debate about this over the, the years uh, when it comes to the influence of the stock market on consumption, right? Does a, a strong amount of consumption and a, a overall you know, strong economy or economic growth contribute to to a rise in the stock market or is it vice versa? Is it a, a rise in the stock market that contributes to economic growth um, and, 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 of course, consumption, buying stuff? Uh, of course, sometimes in the United States, that also means taking on more debt. You know, the, the, the truth of the matter is, is that it's not one or the other. But I, I do think that, you know, in the last maybe two years, we have seen a significant contribution from, from the stock market into kind of consumption because it has moved up so much. I mean, I'll remind you that, that when Trump was elected in 2016, the Dow Jones was under 20,000. You know, today it's, it's you know, as I record this, under 25,000. Uh, but, you know, there's been periods where it's been above 26, um, you know, above, uh, you know, close to, to 27,000. So it's a pretty large move up. And so what that means is that individuals that have uh, exposure to the stock markets, whether that's 401ks, IRAs, or other uh, investment tools or, or funds, portfolios, um, then they are going to see their portfolio, for the most part, having gone up over the last two years. However, you know, in the last, uh, well, well, so far this year, that they haven't seen it go up a whole lot. Actually, on the year, based on where stocks are right now, um, they're actually negative on the year, you know, just barely, um, you know, uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, you know, according to Google, January 2nd, Dow Jones is at 24,824. Right now, it's at 24,597. Okay, so it is down on the year. Now, a lot of that was, you know, the the, the correction in, in February, and that volatility kind of continued all the way through kind of April and May, and eventually it started to recover. And, and we saw this big run up in October. But again, moving into this holiday season, November and December, we've seen a lot of volatility. And again, stocks have dropped a lot. And so you got to wonder, you know, with people seeing their portfolios down, you know, two, three, five percent, depending on their exposure to the stock markets, maybe more. I don't know how leveraged they are. You got to wonder, 
you know, does that influence their buying decisions? Because, you know, two, three, 5%, that might not seem like a huge deal. But but when you're talking about uh, uh, portfolios that could, uh, you know, be well over 100,000 or hundreds of thousands or even more, depending on, on the consumer, you know, we're talking quite a bit of a drop in wealth. And so you wonder if that factors in, you know, as opposed to, to past um, years. So, for instance, uh, December of last year, um, the stock market was doing much, much better. And so you got to wonder, you know, maybe they, they were willing to take on more debt in, in 2017 during the holiday season. And maybe people are overpricing. So that's kind of number one on this list. Don't underestimate. And this is in no particular order. But don't underestimate the effect of the volatility in the stock market on the shopping season. Because it so, is so important to, to um, the economy. And you got to wonder if, you know, at the end of the day, if the retail numbers come in and, and they don't look so great for 2018, uh, where does that leave us in 2019? You know, maybe the most important shopping uh, season of the year and it was uh, lackluster. So number two on this list, again, referring to the economy here, uh, quantitative tightening. Don't underestimate the tightening effects of quantitative tightening. I mean, it's in the name. And yet it seems that a lot of times people kind of forget that quantitative tightening is a going on right now and b that it's tightening uh, financial conditions and the reason i bring this up is because next week the fed gets together for the december meeting and you know right now the expectations is they'll probably hike they'll probably raise interest rates by a quarter percentage point but then from then you know going forward in 2019 there's quite a bit of doubt you know will this be their last hike are they going to hike once twice are they going to stay the course in 2019 um, I, you know, as well as some other people are, are starting to wonder, you know, maybe they'll hold off for a while. You know, we, we can't rule out hikes completely. I tend to think that December will be the last one. But, you know, uh, second half 2019, maybe the, maybe they won't raise rates until then or, or, or you know, January, June or sorry, Ju- June or July, you know, somewhere in that time period or even later. And so what that would mean is that in the meantime, they'd be kind of sending a dovish, dovish message. They're, they're not going to be raising rates. And so, you know, maybe the markets would, would interpret that as, well, we, we get a bit of a reprieve for a while from, from these rising rates. But the, the truth of the matter is that quantitative tightening is tightening. And it's something that's going on in the background. I mean, this is a big deal. I was actually um, you know, being interviewed last week by, uh, uh, or actually it was earlier this week, by Elijah Johnson over at Silver Doctors. And I was bringing this up. You know, uh, people, people don't understand how big of a deal this is. You know, earlier this year, maybe some of you guys remember seeing headlines talking about how uh, Russia had dumped their uh, a significant amount of their holdings in uh, of U.S. Treasury bonds. Now the, the total amount amounted to about eighty one point two. You know, so it's as of June or July, you know, months after the fact, they had dropped from about ninety six point one billion to fourteen point nine billion in bonds. And there's a reason I bring this up, but eighty one point two billion is is how much they cut during that time period. And, and, and I think you saw a bit of reaction in the bond markets. A lot of people were talking about it. But the truth of the matter is that that's less than one quarter's worth of quantitative tightening. The Fed is unwinding $30 billion of bonds a month. Now, they're not selling them. They're just not uh, reinvesting uh, the, those bonds when they mature, which means that they're basically removing themselves from the buying arena. Somebody else is going to have to pick up the slack, $30 billion a month, plus another $20 billion in mortgage-backed securities. That's $50 billion of basically currency destruction that's occurring each month 
Okay, so so do the math here. You know, let's say the Fed doesn't raise interest rates until uh, you know halfway through 2019. That's six months. That's two quarters. That is, uh, you know, what three hundred billion dollars worth of quantitative tightening of of money destruction. Um, that's going to have an influence on the economy. That's going to have an influence on the markets. That's going to remove liquidity um, to some extent. That could lead rates. Uh, to continue to rise, even though the Fed won't actually be officially raising rates. It's going to continue to contribute to this this dollar shortage that you're kind of seeing worldwide uh, in a lot of, of emerging markets. Uh, don't underestimate the effect of that, right? And do not forget about quantitative tightening. I think a lot of people dismiss it as not being that big of a deal. But you know, I'll ask, you know, if somebody says that, ask them a question, well, was QE a big deal? And And of course, they're not going to say no because QE was a big deal. And QT, quantitative tightening, is just the opposite of QE, albeit at maybe a bit of a slower pace, but um, still the opposite. So it's number two on this list. Uh, number three on this list, don't underestimate how quickly things can unravel. I think a lot of times people get caught up in, uh, this maybe occurs more so in the mainstream media. Um, it, it's funny, okay. So I think when the, all this goes down, when, when, when the economy finally drops, you, you're going to get a lot of mainstream guys that are shocked by it. Now, they might not say this. They might say, oh, I said, you know, so-and-so back in the day that ah, I expect to see this happen. But no, they'll be shocked by it. They'll be shocked, I think, by how quickly it happens. And then, of course, there'll be those of us in the alternative media saying like, yeah, see, I told you so. And, and it's interesting because I think, you know, for so long here in the alt media, we've been calling for this type of stuff. And I try to, to, to moderate my own tone on it. Um, but that doesn't mean other people always will. Uh, we've kind of been crying wolf for a long time. And, and you know, finally, it, something's going to happen. And we're going to say, see, we told you so. But no, I don't know how many people will be listening to, to some of those people at that point because they've been crying wolf for so long. Um, it, it's funny how, like, in a, in a period of, of stability, we we tend to be totally wrong in the alt media. Not totally wrong, but, you know, we just predict, predict, predict uh, a crash. And it doesn't necessarily happen yet because, you know, the, the, the market... The economy is acting irrational. It's not following fundamentals. Uh, and, and, you know, I've often said this in the past that Austrian economists, uh, they're, they're great at predicting what ultimately is going to happen. Their timing just sucks, right? Um, but usually they're kind of spot on on what eventually happens. And I think we see that a lot in the alt media, right? I think we're going to be spot on. It's just that our timing hasn't been the great, right? Whereas those in the mainstream media, I think they've been wrong all along. It's just that, and I shouldn't paint a broad stroke. You know, some in the mainstream media are more similar to, to those of us in the media in terms of their viewpoints. But I think they're going to be wrong, a lot of those in the mainstream media that hold a very establishment viewpoint that things will be great forever. They're going to be wrong. It's just that they've. it's going to take a long time to kind of prove them wrong. And so I think, you know, heading into 2019, you're finally seeing some people kind of come around and say, hey, you know what, like this recession that we weren't projecting until 2020 or beyond, yeah, it could start in 2019. You know, there's already talk of a, a recession in Europe in the near future. Who knows? Maybe some European countries might already be in recession. All of a sudden, people are predicting that, like, hey, keep an eye on Canada and Australia. Their housing markets seem to be imploding, you know, or uh, that risk for another financial crisis, a big crash in their housing market and thus their economy. You know, all of a sudden, these ideas that those of us in the alt media have been talking about for a long time now, all of a sudden, are are kind of going mainstream. And yet, I still think that those in the mainstream are kind of underestimating just how quickly things can unravel. 
right? And, and that's not to say it for sure will happen in 2019. But, you know, if things really do unravel, if we have the great unraveling in 2019, you know, maybe I can coin that phrase. I think it is going to happen pretty quickly. You know, we saw what happened in the financial crisis. We could see it happen even quicker um, this time around, uh, whether it be in, in one of those markets, whether it be the Chinese economy or the U.S. markets in the U.S. economy. Um, uh, the, the truth of the matter is that most recessions are not found to be recessions until we've already been in them for quite some time or maybe until, you know, it's it's practically over. We don't realize it's quite a recession yet. Um, and, and so I'm not saying, you know, we could be in a recession right now, though you, you, we, we honestly don't know. Um, but, uh, and of course, I'm talking official recession, not based on, on uh, you know, based on a, official data, which is which is questionable to say the least. But, yeah, we don't even know if we're in a recession or not until well after the fact. And, and I think, you know, it, it's dangerous to underestimate just how quickly things can, can fall apart, whether it, it has to do with you know, just the basics, you know, how quickly will the stock market drop? Right? How quickly will the housing market drop? How quickly will unemployment move back up? Or you know, if we get into a little bit more complex, you know, how quickly will credit spreads between um, you know, higher rated debt versus uh, you know, junk bonds um, or high yield debt or, or leveraged loans, you know, how quickly will those yields, uh, kind of those spreads blow out? Right? Um, how quickly will these credit markets blow up? How quickly will things like ETFs which is, I think, can be really interesting. ETFs, how quickly will those kind of like blow up? Or, or how quickly will the tech markets uh, kind of implode? Um, how quickly will, will uh, you know, the, the, a lot of these companies like, like GE or, or, or whatever, um, how quickly they will, will people realize like, hey, uh, they were insolvent after, after, uh, when it's all said and done. How quickly will Deutsche Bank um, totally implode? Uh, these are things that I think we should not underestimate, right? Um, that's not to say that, that we should live in fear of, of constant, you know, every single day, like this could be the day that it all falls apart. But all I'm saying is that if you just listen to CNBC, if you just read Bloomberg, if you just listen to the mainstream media, um, I think they've been right for a long time in the sense that they haven't really predicted a total collapse for the most part and we haven't seen it yet. But when that day does come, I, I think we're going to see that, hey, they were kind of wrong all along in terms of their overall arching ideas. It's just that it took a long time for them to realize it and for the rest of us to realize it. So those are three, three things not to underestimate. Again, stock market effect on, on retail demand, especially here in the United States. The effect of quantitative tightening despite the Fed potentially. And of course, with QT, they might stop in 2019. Who knows? But the effect of QT, even if the Fed doesn't raise rates in the meantime. And finally, how quickly things can unravel. So I know this has been a bit of a wordy video podcast whatever format you're listening but i do hope you enjoyed it and if you did enjoy it uh you know the number one thing i always say this number one thing you can do to help me out you've already done that's watch this video or listen to this podcast so thank you honestly for that uh but if you do want to go from and beyond liking commenting subscribing those things help me out a ton you know there's a link below to my patreon account there's also the the link to sd bullion which by the way has free shipping over 99 dollars now um, you know, if you wanted to switch to them, they also have a deal there for like a, a one ounce round at spot. Not a huge deal, but, you know, uh, they're, they're trying to keep their premiums low, I think. And so, you know, uh, it's hard to do that when you're selling a ton of silver at spot all the time. So certainly check that out if you want to. It's also a great way to support me because they are a sponsor of mine. Um, and they give me, you know, a kickback for, for, you know, referring new customers and whatnot. But, but as always, I'm just happy to have you guys here in the first place. I don't feel pressured by any of that. Um, so 
thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video, listening to this podcast, wherever you're at, and God bless.